Hey guys, it's March, and you're listening to Hola Bichola, Hola Bichola, Queen of the Rings. Welcome back, everyone. Episode two. We are recapping the Rings of Power on HBO Max. Not at all. It's on Amazon Prime. Well, you know, it happens. We make mistakes. But it's the Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. We finally get an opening credit scene, an opening title. And it's these beautiful sand, almost like, you know, those designs, those like drumming sand patterns that the wavelength, the waves make or the sound waves of the drums make the sand into several different shapes. Um, Yeah, it kind of starts like that. And then it all dissipates into just all of these beautiful, weird, little tiny cluster of things. But we're going to move on from that. Um, But yeah, I really like the opening sequence. And uh, that was great. (laughs) So we get to a place where Galadriel is in the water. And she's in the open, vast water. And we get a close-up of her face staring off into something. And when I look at her, I feel like she's being submerged into the darkness. As if her chasing, her jumping ship into the deep really was her way of going deep into the darkness and going darker to find the light in a sense. And, uh, you know, she's now out in the vast sea going somewhere, hoping to find something. And man, that girl's got some real, real strong shoulders. I'll say that. (laughs) And so now we're back with Nori and the meteor man and she pokes him, which you don't poke the bear, you shake the bear, but she pokes him nonetheless. And he's screaming and almost like a a baby being born. He's just like, just going, ah, we can't understand you, Spake. So he's having a meltdown and he doesn't know where he's at. And my biggest advice to Nori is give that man some milk. Give that man some milk. But then we quickly learn that he is a giant. And not a meteor man, but a giant. So we move on to the elders and the elder Harfoots. And they're all kind of looking for what I believe is a fallen meteor. Or maybe some little things running around because they're, you know, moving through, moving through this like grassland to find a new place to settle for the next couple of seasons because they're supposed to kind of be hard on them. So they're trying to move as quickly as possible to the other side. And so on their way, they're finding all of these things that are seemingly ominous. So we get back to Nori and Nori is wheeling the giant with her friend whose name I forgot. And um, one of the one of my favorite things about this scene in particular was her lady friend is basically helping her wheel up this giant. And she's kind of observing him. And I she she observed him the right way. She said, he's tall, but like, he's still ugly. Like he's over six feet, but he's still ugly. 
And I thought, that girl has a good head on her shoulders. Height isn't everything, ladies it, and, and men. It just isn't. So he's, um, you know, kind of like in so much, either he's in pain or he's sore from that landing, which obviously I would be too if I had fallen like that from the sky. And uh, he starts to roll back because he does not like being on this wheelbarrow one bit. So um, her, uh, Nori and her lady friend are basically talking about what are they going to do with this giant man? And the, her lady friend is basically like, Nori, you can't save him. And Nori's like, but I'm his hero. I can change this man. And her friend's like, but you just met him. We have a family that we have to move across town and you're sitting here like you have to save this man who can't even speak to you because he's over six feet. Wow. You know, I guess, you know, the hard for these Nori just, just doesn't have that much experience in life, which I get it. But like, listen to your friend. Your friend knows your friend has your back, Nori. So now we're back at the Southlands. And they're kind of exploring the old town that was like burnt that they had seen in the past. I think that's Arandir and his friend whose name is Brownwyn. They're exploring the land that they saw was burning, the little town. And uh, they don't see any bodies. And so now they're like, hmm, this is sus. Why don't we see any bodies? So they kind of go back up the hill away from the burning lands. And they kind of on their way up, they see a house or something like that. And they see a house that has like a hole on the ground when they walk inside this house. And who knows, it could be, you know, we're already seeing, you know, things that are coming up, which, you know, worms and orcs and just a bunch of ugly things. So what else could be underground? You know, well, what, what other little maybe giant beaver can be coming up from these holes? Um, so naturally, Arandir says he has to go find it. He has to go find the hole, whatever is creating this whole thing. So Brownman says, all right, well, you know, till we meet again. And he's like, till we meet again, my love. So he falls into the hole and then she goes to get help. So she goes back to town and I, I literally do not know what they are saying. So while they're all talking about such things, um, we get introduced to a new city, which is called Arigion, Arigion, Arigion. Um, and this is where Elrond is speaking with Calembriner, Calembrimbor, Calembrinzor, Calembrinzor. And they're talking about maybe the building of a tower or a tower. And I don't know about you, but I immediately thought, is there any two connections to the two towers? Perhaps a, maybe a wink to the two towers. <laughs> I don't know what that wink was, <laughs> but a wink nonetheless. And um, which, you know, that's just my guess. If, if you know, let me know. Let's, let's correct this together. So they're in this room and they're discussing things to come and things to be worried about. But I was really distracted by the room that they were in because the room that they were in reminded me so much of Animal Crossings. And if you play Animal Crossings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
it's when it's wedding season and you have to design a chapel, a wedding chapel for Cyrus and his wife. I forgot her name. And uh, this one specifically reminds me of the green room, the, the green color room, I believe it's what it's called, the green chapel, where it has those like um, beautiful gothic arches, windows, like those arched windows with like the pointy ends <laughs> at the top. Um, but yeah, I was really taken aback by how beautiful it was. And it just took me back to a place of Animal Crossings. So then we learn about a new place that they have to go to because they have to go see a dwarf. And they go to this period or area called Kazadam. Kazadam. And I remember watching it and thinking, is this place even a real place? Is this CGI? Is this LED? Because this place looks magical. It looks incredible. It's just all of these mountain ranges and then a big wall of rock and mountain combined, you know, trees and stuff. And then all these waterfalls and it was so vast and beautiful and everything looked like it was fresh smelling. The water was probably fresh water. Um, and so they're walking through this place to go meet the dwarfs. Finally, we get to see the dwarfs. And so Elrond gets to this door that has the dwarfs like sigil who he's going to go see. And he knocks and they don't let him in. And then he uses his, what I thought it sounded like Sigmund Freud pass. Siggy Freud, Siggy Fidum some siggy something and he basically tells Calembrins that he's going to be gone for a few days because he's going to kick it with the dwarves little does he know so then he goes inside they finally let him in and oh my god these dwarves are miners and not I mean they are legit miners everything inside was a whole nother city built inside this mountain and it just looked so incredible beautiful and somehow they all forgot fences like they're all not afraid to fall off of some of these walkways to get from one side to the other there was no fence maybe they have like a big net at the bottom but you could still hit all the other things so I thought they could use a fence or two you know just to get like a little bridge fence they don't have to just be bare fenced but anyway you know I guess I guess they can't get it all right so we're inside and these dwarves are working okay they are working they are twerking and they're drinking and they're ready for a party and so finally we see Prince Duden and he arrives and he basically states that if the elf can't hang he's gotta go and so the way that they show that is by breaking rocks. And so <laughs> they're breaking rocks for what seems like hours at this point. And I'm just thinking like, are dwarves just this difficult? Are they more inclined to this caveman-like behavior? You know, it's not to say that they're not elevated or evolved. It just seems like they're much more focused on the brute sides of human or dwarfian nature I don't know it's just my thoughts so we get back to Nori and her big friendly giant and finally 
the giant speaks. He's not yelling, but he does speak something like, yeah, yay, nay. And they're having their E.T. moment. They're having their little like E.T. phone home moment. And I thought this was really cute. And I really appreciated this connection, which I don't think there is one, but I appreciated the connection. And he keeps uttering these words. And he said, Uremana, Urmana, Uremana. That's what he kept saying. Uh, we haven't learned what this meant or what this means, but it must mean like maybe urgent or maybe this Uremana is on its way or maybe he's from Uremana. I, I don't think it means he's hungry because he was still saying it while they were exchanging snails. So, Uremana. Let me see. If I can guess what that means, that probably means something along the lines of, like, I'm from Uremana, the constellation Uremana. I'm going to go with that. So, we're finally back with Galadriel in the ocean. And she finds a spiny boat. And they're all like, yeah, like, why are you out here at sea? It's so strange. You don't look like someone who's boat was wrecked and she's like oh I fell off a boat yeah I was gone they were like we don't believe you but then while they're trying to discuss whether or not she should get on the boat they talk about how their ship was wrecked by this like water worm which clearly took me to a place of dune I was kind of like my dunes <laughs> sand dune water dune water dune sand dune worm water dune worms you get you get what i'm saying so they're basically going to get attacked by this megalodon worm you know who's only who just wants to eat and break shit and um yeah it attacks the boat naturally and her tread game is still strong she was she managed to jump off the boat and continue to tread and swim away from this warm thing. And uh, then we get back to the duel and they're chopping stone and the stones only get bigger and bigger. And finally, um, Elrond, he just like hits it. He goes like, meow, meow. Like that was his last hit. And so the dwarves felt bad for him and they let him, they gave him one of their axes dwarf access axes like a x e x and up against prince Durin, he resigns and waves his little white flag and he's basically like all right you know you win whatever this was for you proved your point you're stronger than me but can we finally like have discussions for why i'm here because things are coming ugliness is heading our way and so we learn why Prince Durin was being so aggro towards Elrond it turns out Elrond is a bad friend he didn't show up he hasn't been around and um yeah um Prince Durin was like not happy he's like you only come to me when you need me but you never come you never come over for dinner you never come over to check in on me and it's been two years you know that is kind of bad when you know but but how did Elrond know did like Prince Durin say I value our friendship I would love to see you 
more often, maybe not. Maybe the dwarf thought he was just supposed to know this. You know, I mean, obviously dwarves and elves operate differently. And I believe this was just a miscommunication. I don't think it, I don't think Prince should have taken it as personal as he did. And so because of this, he kicked him out of Kahad Kazad Dad. <laughs> Sorry. So um, there, you know, um, Prince Sudan's wife invites Elrond over for dinner. And then we learn that he's just really heartbroken. And so Elrond is like, oh, we really need to talk. We need you guys as allies. The darkness is coming. Sauron is there's something coming it's on the way it might be Sauron it might not be Sauron we don't know we just know that darkness is coming and it's looming and I need your help friend the nerve to call him friend after he abandoned him for two years I don't think so so now we're back at sea and we're with Galadriel and Galadriel is sees the one remaining boat that survived and it happens to be with this person named Hellbrand and Hellbrand brings her over because she's clearly beautiful and he's not going to let some beautiful woman just be out at sea with nothing to sit on so we're watching these two argue over their whatever they're struggling with to reveal their identities because they don't know if they should be trusting one another and so in the midst of this argument, all I thought was, are y'all going to get together? Because the sexual tension on this boat is killing me. <laughs> and really, well, I just thought like, this is a lot of sexual tension here. But then he mentions that he had to leave his homeland because the orcs arrived. And you know, that activated our girl. Our girl said, you said what? And he was like, what does that matter? And I'm just like, will you just reveal where you're from? Why aren't you listening to her? She must, she wants to know. Why is this so hard? And he just refused to disclose where he was from. And so we move on to Theo, who is the son of Brownwyn from the Southlands. And remember, he had found, I think it was like Sauron's like sword or a little you know, weapon that belonged to Sauron or the Sauron army of some kind. And he is in this house just kind of hanging out. And he thinks that there's like mices in the ground floor in the basement because, you know, he had been hiding things in a basement too or his little like, you know, hole he dug. So he hits it and reveals it, hits it and like reveals what's inside the basement and it turns out that it's something with an eye a really scary bloody eye I mean what else could it be right a beaver <laughs> it could be a beaver I don't think it's a beaver but it, it could be a beaver and so we're back with Arandir and he's in these tunnels which um you know it's activating my claustrophobia and so he sees this monster thing in the tunnels and he's like chasing it and there's like mices everywhere and then he falls into another hole into water and it's just like so gnarly and disgusting and like you know there's no way up and then he finally finds a way and he catches some air and so we're thinking it's all lost 
he's he's done for and then he gets taken in by the roots the roots crew take them in i mean i think it's the roots crew i mean he seemed to be taken gently and not monstrously so i'm gonna go with the trees took him in to save him so then we finally see the thing with the bloody eye and man it is so so ugly and I thought, okay, so now this is turning into a horror movie. It's immediately a horror movie. And I'm scared. I don't know what it is. It's this like alien, like, you know, fleshy, veiny, spiny, clawy type of thing. Wearing a mask, wearing like um, a dead animal's mask. Uh, not mask, bones, uh, bones. It's wearing its bones. And uh, yeah, he's officially summoned the demon or the orc something's coming from the ground and it's orc and demon at the same time that's what i think because i don't know how this thing i don't know what it lives off of it sees it and it and theo runs away and he hides so now we're back with saint maud galadriel and they're in the midst of a storm and it's crazy and they're trying to survive all of these like huge mass massive waves and all i think to myself is if these two can hang out on this little plank of wood this little driftwood in this vast ocean i'm certain that jack and rose could have shared that door without 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 a doubt they could have shared that door let's just give them a moment so now we're, we're back with the same with Galadriel and Halbrand. And within the storm, um, Galadriel, she attaches herself to the boat, like rope and everything. And then that part of the boat ends up falling off. Ugh, now she's sinking to the bottom of this deep ocean. And we're watching the rope go further down and down and it's like falling off of the this little like drift plank and i'm thinking well she's either gonna die or she's gonna find another hole in the ocean and fall deeper into some darkness but alas halbrand saves her and sees that she has this like sword elvian sword cuts her right up not her cuts the rope up and they get I don't even know how these people survived because they seem like they were out of breath. But they both get up to the driftwood and survive. And so now we're with Nori and she's talking to her big friendly giant and she's basically telling him she has to go. She's been with him for several days and nothing has changed and she no longer has time. Her group has to go and she's got to go right now, right now. She's got to go right now. And instead of saying something to her, he just takes their light and turns it into starlight. So now it's the big giant and his starlights. And so it's it's kind of where we're left with them. And now we're back with Theo and his mom, Brown One, and they're they finally kill the demon thing. And then she takes the head to the bar that she was earlier with and having conversations that I could not understand. And they finally listened to her when she said, this is the thing that's killed us all, that's been trying to kill all of us. 
So she finally gathers it up and they all move out. And then she says, hey, Theo, you ready to go? And right before Theo leaves, he picks up that weapon, the Sauron weapon. And this weapon is somehow connected to his blood. He like holds it with his hand and he has like a wound from the demon thing that was trying to kill him. And the blood that was still oozing out of him was connecting with Sauron's sword or weapon. And the weapon lit up and it said Sauron was here again. And my diagnosis from this is that Theo and Sauron are going to become one. When two become one, Theo and Sauron an evil love story. That's my guess. And so then we finish off the scene with Galadriel bumping into a big boat. And we don't know who's on the big boat, but I can only guess it's someone she does not want to see. And that's it. That's the episode. That's where it ends. So I would say the maybe the third half of this episode got really good I really liked the scary part of it it became real horror real quick nonetheless guys let's see what episode three has for us if you have any questions or comments please hit me up on hbxpod at gmail.com you can find me on my socials at hbxpod at instagram all that we chill on tiktok and until next time guys adios